0: Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by OnX Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the OnX Hunt app from your phone's app store today and check out onxmaps.com for more inside OnX. I also want to bring to you Garmin. Build a better dog with devices for tracking and training, from obedience to hunting and limiting nuisance barking. Get exactly what you need to make a life with your hunting buddy that much better. Go check out the Garmin Pro 550 Plus. That's what we're using on this side of town. And uh, get yourself ready for the hunting season coming up. Don't have your dog running all out there crazy. Get him well broken and in collar condition. That's what we are working on now. Go check them out right now at Garmin.com. The Gun Dog Notebook is also brought to you by Dakota 283 Kennels. Check out the new updated price drops on dakota283kennels.com. Use the promo code TGDN10 for 10% off at checkout. Also presented to you by Lion Country Supply, the Gun Dog World's premium gun dog supplier. Check them out now. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. This is your host Darrell Smith and I just kind of want to do a short quick shout out to um, a listener that actually won the uh, Project Upland magazine giveaway. His name was Brian Vertigal and um, he sent in a quick little story about why his pup is so special. I just kind of read it on out to you. Um, he says, "Here we have Archie, a 16-month-old Hungarian Vizsla. Last season we had him trained on quail, chukar pheasant. Here in New Hampshire, this upcoming season, which starts October 1st, will be his first official season of pointing pheasant. Uh, I think what makes a great gun dog is really the dog's personality and drive, which Archie has in spades." He wants to please constantly and never quits when he is in the field, no matter the situation. As a great gun dog, he also possesses a wonderful temperament and training ability. Um, he is always willing to learn or work on his craft. I'm looking forward to working uh, his official season. Thank you, Brian, and I hope uh, I hope Archie does well. I know you've already started the season by now. Guys, this is another episode of the Gundog Notebook Podcast with Charlie Jordan of Missing Sucks. This is a good one. Check it out. All right, guys, welcome back to another live episode of the Gundog Notebook Podcast. We are in the living room of mr charlie jordan um i don't want to call you mr missing sucks because i feel like (laughs) like you're a whole lot better shot but you are the founder of missing sucks and it was interesting how we even met i met you on the road
1: (laughs) right on West Pace oh, on West Wesley. On West, West, West Wesley, Wesley, yes, that's, right. that's I, right.
0: I was coming back from uh, actually training my dogs and I was heading to my art gallery. Right, I, imagine me going to a gallery in Buckhead and a bunch of camo right. <laughs> and, and, and uh Briar Pants, right, and, uh, <laughs> and walking in an art gallery like, Hey, what's going on? But I am um, so I was taking some artwork or I was meeting my old professor to give him some artwork to take down to a show in Albany, Georgia. Right. So it was interesting. You, uh, I think you saw the stickers on my truck.
1: Well, I saw, I saw the, the, the just numerous stickers on the back. I saw the Yukonuba, and I saw the gundog notebook <laughs> and I saw the, the, the pointer silhouettes all over. And I immediately pulled over to your, um, I immediately pulled over to your left. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, put 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 your window down and tell them to visit MissingSucks.com.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so she rolls the window down. Here we are yelling at somebody we don't even know. My wife says, go to MissingSucks.com. <laughs> and then I yell at, yeah, because Missing really sucks. Just go you'll feel better once you go to our website if you miss ever. Right. <laughs> right.
0: And so I was like, huh. Of course, when somebody says that, you know, on, on in, in the paisley Fair area, um, you're like, huh, that guy must be all right. <laughs> and so I, I went to the website and I've been reading your articles and I've just kind of been following, you know, just how you've been doing everything and building everything. And you're fairly new to, I guess, the social media world, but it doesn't seem like that.
1: Well, we started with Instagram. Um, I think literally 45 days ago or 50 mm-hmm. days ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the way Missing Sucks got started is is uh, I think I shared with you, Darrell, that that I have a consulting firm, and so I live my my life on on a plane. And uh, one of the things that we did with uh, with Missing Sucks, it served as an escape to yeah. actually just write poetry, um, write different recipes, write different. Um, um, tips, if you will, from a lot of great sportsmen uh, uh, in the country, Mm -hmm. Uh, just places where to hunt, just sporting thoughts. It was more to just unwind from work, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was thinking that the word missing sucks. I mean, you could be hunting in overalls in the middle of Nebraska Mm -hmm. with a pump shotgun, or you could be shooting grouse in in the Northumberland area of uh, of England uh, in tweeds and, and, and a matched pair of purties. And everybody will agree, missing just sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it just absolutely, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but there's been nights that after I didn't have a good shooting day, I just couldn't sleep. Yes. I just had to rethink my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow it united so many different uh, right. levels of of, of, of of hunters, and um, and it just became this element of, okay, if we all agree that it really sucks, Maybe we can offer a little place where people can go. Right. And if they log onto the website, uh, due to the content-rich environment that we are posting, you know, maybe we will help them forget about that horrendous moment when when they pulled the trigger and saw nothing fall. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's awesome
0: that you've taken something that should seemingly be negative. Yeah. And turn it into a good just laugh, man. Like that's the best part of it. Um, and I'm really inspired. To, and then, and we'll get to it. But you are a pointer man.
1: <laughs> so the last 13 years, yeah, in 13 years, uh, pointer man. And my first one was a uh, was a setter. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, the Coverly setter, the Ryman bloodline, uh-huh. and um, hunted with her up in Vermont. Yeah. Uh, when I was with the Orbis Company for many years, just wonderful, wonderful company, mm-hmm. such great people. Mm-hmm. Miss it, miss it uh, uh, very much. I designed all their hunting clothing and uh, just great people, big smiles and, and, and a lot of tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but we chased Woodcock with my setter mm-hmm. and then eventually pheasants in New Jersey and, and different places like that. And then I went to the pointer and I just, as I was telling you, I just lost my pointer about three and a half months ago, which is just... Yeah. Floored me, just completely floored me. Um, but um, my next dog is sitting right here. This is Clumber Spaniel, mm-hmm. training, but mm-hmm. we're probably going to pick up another pointing breed, okay? Uh, just to not only not only partner up with uh with our Clumber Spaniel Rosie, but yeah. also to give her companionship mm-hmm. and, uh, and enjoy that, you know. So
0: what? uh and I want to talk about the specifics of, of Ace of your dogs, but what you got in mind for the next point in breed?
1: You know, there is this gentleman um, on Instagram, and like I said, I'm new to Instagram, but he says, My pointer is my passion, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And they have some just some of the pointers that I love, their dish nose is more of the European one, mm-hmm. you know, with the parallel tails to you know, the ground. Yep. Uh, n- nothing wrong with
0: the OU. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. but I think that's, it's interesting you brought that up because yep. I think over here, some folks don't consider yep. the European, you know, pointer. So
1: continue. Right. So it j- just the, the, the beauty, the, the cosmetic beauty of those pointers mm-hmm. just really intrigues me. But then again, I looked at my rhyme and bloodline setters that I've had for so many years,
2: and um, and especially into Coverly, into Coverly Kennels up in Factoryville, Pennsylvania. Um, so I don't know yet, and okay. I think it's a little soon to replace my pointer, which was a European
1: pointer, right, um, parallel to the ground, um, which is on the cover that you see here. Yes, I think it's a little just too huh, too course. early to replace her. Uh, but we also always have that struggle of yeah. making sure that our clumber Spaniel has a companion because we mm-hmm. were such good friends. So you look at her being all alone when we leave the house and it
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of kills you. So I haven't decided yet. I haven't okay. decided. And plus, whatever I decide, I just have to make sure my wife's okay.
0: Is okay with, it. with with
1: that breed, you know?
0: Right. So. Now, let's go backwards from the clumber to Rosie.
1: Rose, right, right,
0: Rosie. Um, to your pointer, to your setter. Talk about your relationship with those dogs and, and, and kind of some of the maybe adventures that you guys had and, and, and some of the things like that.
1: I think the most difficult thing for me with my bird dogs is recently with, with Daphne before she went up to doggy heaven. Mm-hmm. Was hunting woodcock right just an hour outside of Atlanta. And she had locked up. I was with a, a hashtag, um, actually, a Instagram Southern Gunner. I was hunting yeah. with him. And she locked up after just searching for woodcock for, for quite a while. And my passion for the last 11 years is I only shoot a 410. So. Okay. Um, I shoot a 410 in everything, whether it's a sporting place, tournament, or ducks, or the only thing I don't do with a 410 is geese. I just don't think that's Okay. Hard. So I miss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're a <laughs> so, bold man. <laughs> so I, can, I can heartfeltly, <laughs> just completely heartfelt decision to tell you that missing really does. Yeah. <laughs> right. but, but all these years, for 12, 11, 12 years, I've been shooting a 410, and Daffy locked up on this woodcock, and the woodcock went up and and it's one of the shots that I just remember the uh, in her latter part of their years. It's that shot that I just had both barrels go off and, and we're shooting two inch 410 shells mm-hmm. and two and a half inch 410 shells. And somehow I just missed that woodcock. Yeah. And I've regretted that so much. It's mm-hmm. been a year and a half and I think about it often. And I know it's not normal. No, <laughs> you know, it, I get it, it. Though it, it is not normal, and it's not rational. And I know that there's bigger problems in life. Um, but I regret that because she turned around and looked at me, and I said, "Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, did did, did did we really get to this place?" So when I talk about my pointer, I talk about the times that I've missed mm-hmm. and how much mm-hmm. I think that hurt her. Yeah, you know. yeah. And 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 it wasn't fair because she just. I mean, I, I can't think of a more unconditional love than than, a, right. than than a dog towards you know their their owner and vice versa. Yeah. So uh,
0: okay, well, I I didn't know that you only shoot exclusively shoot um a 410 right. but you're a bigger man than me i, I <laughs> now um before we go to this year center yeah. um i, I do want to say my condolences to you you know because that was recent you it know was. i do want to give you my condolences but also uh what made you decide to only shoot a 410 like that I know I'm jumping around, but so
1: what <laughs> and, and, and there's there's um, and, and part of Missing Sucks on the website, MissingSucks.com, you see a lot of poetry. And I know this is a strange statement coming from a from a man who's dedicated his life to to, to wing shooting and bird dogs. Mm-hmm. Um but there are times, most of the time, that wildlife, that bird is so beautiful, yeah. it's so Unbelievably beautiful, with enormous, enormous odds against that bird, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's loss of habitat, uh, as we see with the prairie chickens, with our common friend, mm-hmm. hunt birds, mm-hmm. right? Edgar, uh, yeah, with Edgar. W- whether it's 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 the quail in Southeast of Georgia or mm-hmm. in the southeastern region, mm-hmm. right? It's not what it used to be in the forties. Some of these game birds just have immense, immense challenges and odds against them. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, as I write in some of the poetry in this new book that's coming out, as I write some of the let's poetry, plug your book real quick. Uh, well, um, it's being edited; it'll be out okay. soon. But the book is called "In the Hunt for Words," okay. and it's called uh, an attempt to best convey sporting statements, poetry, and the magnificence of wild game cuisine. Right? Yes, sir. So it's just yes, sir. Uh, just a few humble words of poetry on, on sporting thoughts. But they are such beautiful game birds that oftentimes, ever since I passed the age of 35, there's a part of me that says, uh, I wish I could hunt and not have to kill, mm-hmm. right? So if I could release a wow. trout, if I could release a bird the same way like uh, George Bird Evans wrote, right? mm-hmm. if I could release a, 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 a game bird the same way I release a trout, Wow. Mm-hmm. I uh, I doubt if I would kill another one, right? So that's I truly okay. do wish I could hunt so many times and not have to kill. But the overwhelming reason I do it is one, to see my bird dogs work it and two, for the cuisine. Mm -hmm. There's just no question about it. And so I went to the 410 because I thought it would give them greater odds at living even more. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, there was a dichotomy, right? Mm -hmm. Because the dichotomy was unless I was true to the shot, unless I was really hitting them, I could wound them. Yeah, And I can't think of anything worse than wounding some mm-hmm. of that beautiful wild game that we see out in the prairies, yeah. marshes, or fields. You yeah. Know? So, I mean,
0: that really drives the – it makes more sense to me why missing does hit home for you and, you know, lost shots because you do put so much thought into it. But then also, I imagine that you're a pretty darn good shot. With a 4'10". I mean, seriously, that's not a that's not that's not an easy shot. And you put all of this into and giving yourself the challenge in um, the odds that you know. And, and we as hunters get it. I understand. I w- wounded and not recovered game myself. Right. Last season, it. I was telling you about the uh, Thomasville hunt. Yeah. It does suck. You know, it it it's one of those things that is like okay. I would have rather made a clean miss, right, right, than exactly. striking a bird and then it goes down and then we don't recover it, right,
1: right. You and know. then more importantly, if we do, if we are lucky enough to, to to hit a bird, I've always felt that using all of the bird in the kitchen mm-hmm. is just a must. Oh my gosh. All oh my of the birds. And I've been guilty of it. And yeah. a lot of my friends have been guilty of yeah. it. Me too. We just breast doves or we'll breast a duck, or we'll breast a geese. Mm-hmm. Usually because of time. And I just don't think I could mm-hmm. ever do that again. I stopped doing that about maybe 18 years ago mm-hmm. you know, or, or even more, 20 years ago. I'm 49 years old and I will never again breast another bird because there's so much flavor in the tiniest wings Mm -hmm. and the cruxes of the tiniest thighs and the gizzards and the liver. So if we are able to harvest a bird and we're able to kill a bird, And maximize the entire thing. Mm -hmm. That just, I believe, is the essence of being a true sportsman. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the essence of having great wine with great food. Because you're tasting so much of of, of the different flavors Ah, they can offer.
0: Man, if if
1: the listeners were sitting here
0: right now and ate what I just ate. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking forward to it, man. But that was just, I mean, profound, man. Seriously,
1: the, uh, the the what we served. Yes, right. so it was just a little appetizer, and uh,
0: that was an appetizer. <laughs>
1: Shoot, man! And I want to talk about that
0: too. Um, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but because I talk, that's a whole podcast in of itself. But talk about your setter and why the rhyming line So you're a George Bird Evans fan. Obviously, I am sure. sure. Okay. So it was that one of the things that drove you to getting a rhyme setter?
1: Well, what drove me was, believe it or not, I think I was right before I got married uh, in 1997 or 96. I started dating this wonderful girl and then a year and a half or two years later, we were married. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I saw a commercial with these beautiful, beautiful setters from Pamela Fever. Mm-hmm. I have no mm-hmm. idea if she's still around. Or whatever. I've heard of her name, but yes. And so I started learning more about the setters, the Llewellyns, mm-hmm. and the Rymans mm-hmm. that were brought back. So I dug deep into that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I became good friends with the Coverley Kennels, which was the largest gene pool of the Ryman bloodline. Mm-hmm. And for me, especially in Vermont, being with, 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 with Orvis, yep. we started uh, chasing Woodcock and those alders and those different places. And the fact that Tulula, my setter, would just dance in the woods, her mm-hmm. step was so almost, almost horse-like, just yeah. beautiful little steps with this great body. It almost made my nerves or my, my blood pressure drop. Yeah just like the clumber spaniel. And when I hunt with Rosie, and uh, I'm hoping you can give us some tips because oh. I'm having a little bit of, uh, the weirdest thing happened when I told you, she was gun broke, and then uh-huh. we went out there and she wasn't gun broke anymore. Yeah. And I started all the way from the beginning. I would never seen that before, you know? Yeah. But even when I hunt with Rosie, it's just such a calming pleasure to see mm-hmm. her gallop, you know, in the fields and, and pick up scent. So I love the way that the coverly Setter. set her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ryman setter was so so calm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And because my wife and I were having two little girls inside a year and a half, um, did I say that right now inside two and a half years, they're yeah. yeah. separated by fourteen months? Um, the setter also, Tulula also served as a, just a great companion, yeah, for, for uh, my, my two daughters, you know, which excellent, was, which was wonderful. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so. that and that's a. Little bit taller, a little bit lankier of a setter.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep, and, and once again, tail parallel to ground, mm-hmm. right? Not not pointing straight up. And then when I hunt in South Georgia and I see this incredible LU pointers, I mean, <laughs> I'm an LU man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, they're just machines. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just like Gene Hill wrote, right? Mm-hmm. I love them all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just love them all. I
0: can't Labrador setters, pointers, you know, It's, it's, it's hard just... to stay away from, right. the, or to stay exclusive to just one of them. Um, and just while I'm thinking about it, one of these days soon, man, let's get out because I'm still in training. Probably, you know, obviously our season hasn't kicked off yeah. yet. Right. Let's take pup out and see. You know, try to work the the gun introduction. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of ideas, and I I use a um, a, a twenty two sure. caliber primer yep. or pistol. Um, we can do some stuff where it just slowly decrease. I'm sure you probably have right. Um, but I mean, I've got birds. We can you know roll around and get her kind of distracted, and then just slowly work back into yep. it. Um, even with a four ten sometimes man it's just too much for him, yeah. and you gotta slowly gradually so you may do one of these things I mean there's a number of things that we can try that won't completely throw her off right, right but right, right. Soft, shoot, soft shooting you know 22 blanks yeah. move up to a soft shooting 410 regular 410 and we just gradually right, right. Do it. And, and, and do it 100 yards away right you know, there's so many different things. Um, so I would love to to get out there. Oh, no, that would be great. She let's see see what we can, we can do a great nose. My
1: god, yeah. does she have a good nose? I think because she yes. has a really good nose for foods. Yeah. <laughs> She's running. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but but it, it's just such a joy to you mean, to hunt with her. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just such a joy to hunt with her. Yeah. Where she can uh she can just show her her nice, calm demeanor about her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, kind of forward. While
0: we were on the subject of various yeah. different breeds and admiring them, oh <laughs> this book came from 1922. It's A.F. Hoshwald. Um, he wrote for American Field. I have been blessed to have that book in my hand, and it took some some finding. But that is one of the earliest recordings of bird dog history and accomplishments. Um Written from Afrod while well, he was like a recorder journalist sure. for, for them, and it basically goes over the early pointers coming from Spain to Europe to America, the early bloodlines, and then it talks about the early setters. Yep. So the Laverack kennels, which were, you know, they they basically were what the Llewellyns are. Right. Right. Um, you know the wire hair pointing Griffons and it talks about all of these things in 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 their earliest format you know and how the dogs really were so you 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 do get that low set parallel tail that 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 was that was a new innovation to have a 12 o'clock tail right you know and those dogs were coming
1: right from europe so is But it's, just think about that i mean to be able to change in relatively a short time yeah less than a hundred years really tails mm hmm Straight up, yeah. I mean that—that's amazing, and we just don't think about that. Partly because mm-hmm. nobody's got time to think anymore. Yeah, with, with, our, with our work schedule. Yeah. But to have actually changed a breed, yeah, that actually has, and it adapts to whether it's South Georgia or Alabama mm-hmm. or whatever it is to see. Her. I, I remember, I remember up in Mishawaka, we we're shooting in Mishawaka, mm-hmm. uh, New York, up there, and um, mm-hmm. literally there was a discussion between. You know, straight uh, tail straight up and parallel tails, mm-hmm. and one guy says, "Yeah, but the straight the tail straight up, I don't need it, mm-hmm. uh, but 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 you do because right. you can see where the dog is at, right?" And I said, "If I have to see that far away, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> then I forgot to buy a whistle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then the other gentleman says, "Yeah, but if you weren't that far away, a good dog won't won't lock up on a cubby, and they could hold it for you." So mm-hmm. great, great. It's always fun to hear both yeah. sides, you know. So it's always wonderful. But absolutely. But we should give credit mm-hmm. to the men who started that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and for what it's worth, I remember hunting blue quail one time in nineteen ninety five. It was me and Delmar Smith. Get out of here. Delmar Smith and, um, oh, his name will come back to me. There were four of us in Texas in this tiny little cabin. You got it a it chance me, to hop
0: with Delmar. Yeah,
1: yeah, me, Delmar Smith, and uh, oh, this other gentleman's name will come back to me and another friend from LLB. Yeah. And I was with Orvis. And we sat there for three days chasing blue quail. And my God, I, I love Delmar's, you know, he made my blood pressure go down. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just grab the dog and put him here and just put his ears here. He'll be fine. And yeah. He's yeah. right, real cool. Me. Just real, real gentle and soft and just enjoyed everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was he out with a 4'10", like I keep hearing? I don't remember, but I do remember the guy next to me. He was shooting a 28. Oh okay. God, I love chasing blue quail. I yeah. just. Love everything about those Texas blue quay. Uh-huh. and I know that their uh, their numbers have gone down and back mm-hmm. up and climbing back up and down and back up. But um, I can't remember what what okay. he was uh, what he was shooting. But but such a nice guy. But I learned quite a bit from him. Yeah, and just like anything else, you know, there's so many people so staunch about their positions of bird dogs, which I always say. I mean, can we really know as much as we think we know about bird dogs? I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been married to my lovely wife for 22 years and there's nothing on this planet I wouldn't do for her. But I still don't know I know her full. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? So, laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, how can people be so absolutely sure about bird dogs when each one of them is so, so individual, different. right? Mm-hmm. They're so uh, individually driven and mm-hmm. so different, you know. So, But it's always fun to, um, you know. So it It is always fun to hear that.
0: And I think... I think sometimes, and what you're 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 giving me is, honestly, we just gotta enjoy the dogs, enjoy the experience. You know, think about it, and 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 have pride in what it is that you do. Because with, you know, talking to you, there is a a even being in your home and everything like that. There's there's an artistry to what you're doing. It's not only poetic. It, it it really is as much a craft as all of the paintings that you've been telling me about in here i mean seriously right. um well thank, you. thank it, you and there is a there's a bridge between all of that that i think you and i really 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 identify with and, and i think that's one of the connect- i try to piece connections together you know how you know, how I relate with folks. And we always talk about people that we can go walk the woods with and stuff like that, you know, and enjoy a good time. But, you know, seldom have I met somebody that probably enjoys art as much as I do, you know, and, and is so brainy about things as much as I, I mean. And, I'm so, and, and not that other folks aren't, but like the direct correlation, right. you know, that, that I picked up immediately when I came in here You know, it almost makes sense to me why you chose a a European-style pointer. You know, I think there's a lot of that influence that plays into your choice of dog. It's it's just very interesting. You know, when I think about... You know, the type of sell- setter, the Llewellyn's are these big motors, right? They're right. The, 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 the quote unquote field trial strain of I the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. W- which is wonderful. It's wonderful. I but I, I think just somehow subconsciously we pick dogs based on our, you know, external pursu- pursuits. Right. You yeah. know, um, I just I just do you know no tell I mean I can come up with 50 million different reasons why I got a Labrador right you know why he's at home in the kennel with my pointer right I wanted a pointer because I wanted a field trial dog and I wanted a machine but I also wanted something that was indicative of Georgia history because
1: I'm born and raised here right and I know? think that's wonderful <laughs> actually there was this uh talking about dogs and and birds there was this i think it was a georgia hunter who wrote on our facebook i have not stopped laughing about this mm-hmm. it was right around dove season mm-hmm. opening day of dove season mm-hmm. and he literally writes um um i went dove hunting today and 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 tried it <laughs> he says i i tried dove hunting today and uh, shot three boxes <laughs> and, and hit two birds <laughs> and hit right. two birds and then he says dog dog swallowed both whole. <laughs> i'm over so that's...
0: that's about right
1: i shot three boxes hit two birds dog swallowed both whole. Wow. i'm overdubs. <laughs> oh my god i think i was on a plane or wherever i was reading this i couldn't stop <laughs> laughing yeah that's... so th- th- it's not just the perfection of your sporting life trying to live a storybook sporting life with your gun dog it's also the nuances, yeah. of the eccentricities yeah. that every dog brings. Mm-hmm. I've never had the perfect dog. Daphne, in thirteen years, I think retrieved two birds for me. <laughs> I would literally get on my knees and say, "I will give you a pack of bacon <laughs> if you just get that bird for me." She would lock up. She never honored a single point. Yeah. If a dog was to lock up and she was, she'd be like, "Okay, nah, I- I'm going to point you I'm as well, to hold it. and I'm going to get right in front of you." And, and, and I think those. Uh, those those um, th- those uh, behaviors and and just being eccentric like that really define a bird dog, just yeah. like a human being. Yeah. You just don't have the perfect human mm-hmm. being, you know. Absolutely. So w- while people see those as flaws, I see them as, as just character-defining uh, elements of, of, yeah. of a bird dog, you know. Yeah. I mean, de- uh, Rose. Um, there is no way I can get Rose uh, uh to actually um. Not retrieve a bird and me not give her popcorn. I always have to, I take popcorn in in my game bag. I mean, how embarrassing. So she's a great retriever, three FE before she gets to me. She's dropping that yeah. one straight for my, for my
0: pocket for popcorn, you know? Oh, my gosh. I've, I've never heard that, but that is hilarious. That <laughs> just enriches the, the sporting yeah, moment. It does. It yeah. does. It so.
1: does. That is, that is hilarious. I mean, I literally have to stop at the racetrack or the seating and buy popcorn. <laughs> what flavor just regular popcorn she doesn't like the light though she, okay. she <laughs> like the light popcorn with low, she likes the low head <laughs> butter <laughs>
0: If I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it right. <laughs> I'm a do it gonna, it okay. sounds like my I'm type of dog. I and me and Rosie would get get along. And I'm a popcorn <laughs> junkie, so I'm I'm here
1: for it now. <laughs> so all these flaws that so many people oh. talk about. My goodness, I just think that they enrich your bird dog. Yeah, there's no yeah. such thing as the perfect bird. I mean, if you're winning Grand Junction and yeah. games Plantation and you're coming out on top, I'm sure that is. But right dogs sleep on the bed with us and get up mm-hmm. on the couch with us. And I uh, just thinks that makes mm-hmm. it more, much more a part of the family. Yeah. That's, that
0: is awesome, man. So we, and we didn't really get into your background, but let's talk about your background and, and, and how we got to missing sucks. Like, did you, did you have any kind of prior
1: influences growing up? <laughs> Well, my, my hunting career began with my dad. My dad was from a little Midwest farm town in Illinois. In okay. The early 60s, I believe it was. He went down to Peru mm-hmm. and uh, and met my mom. He went down to the Peru with the Peace Corps. Okay. And married my mom and brought her back. And he was a hunter his whole life. And so he then later joined the United Nations. Yeah. And so we traveled a lot around the world. But everywhere we went, we were hunting. Mm-hmm. So at least my shooting career began picking up doves and partridges for my dad in Chile, in South America. Okay. Where we were stationed there. How was that? It was just fantastic. Uh, um, uh, My earliest memories are just walking behind my dad for just miles. It felt miles and miles. It might have been maybe three miles, but as far as I was concerned, at the age of eight or seven, whatever it was, must have been 100 miles, right? Yeah. And so we started uh, there and... um, I've just always admired, till today, my dad is 79, and boy, that guy just doesn't miss. He just does, I don't know how he does it, but he doesn't miss. We, uh, my sister and my brother, we just gave him a 28-gauge shotgun for his 79th birthday. Nice. And he's been shooting it and just shooting the hell out of it. Yeah. So, um, just walking behind my dad is when I started, and then eventually um, went to college, and as soon as I got to college, I started working so I could buy my shotgun and started hunting in central Florida, just mm-hmm. walking some of the WMAs at the age of 18 and 19.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then went up to college and uh, in Washington, D.C. at American University and uh, would drive to the eastern shore of Maryland and spent quite a few years on the eastern shore of Maryland. Yeah sporting tradition yeah. that you can find there I mean it is enormous yeah. I love everything about the eastern shore and I've always called it my home Yeah, even though I've never really <laughs> lived there you know, but know. hey look you know, it I makes just, sense I just call it my home but the truth is I've never really lived there um, but just chasing you know those puddle ducks and the tiny little farms of the eastern shore um, and then eventually just more and more um, bird hunting more and more till I was um, managing the Eddie Bauer Sports Shops, which okay. we used to call, on the East Coast, based out of Georgetown in Washington D.C. Yeah, and then I was recruited by Orbis, which was just a fabulous company. And then one day I just woke my wife up at four a.m. and said, "I've got to go do my MBA." Yeah, if I don't do it now. I'm not going to do it when I'm you know 35. So we dropped everything, started the MBA, and. Um, and then started the consulting firm and just been bird hunting ever since um, with um with bird dogs and uh
0: and good wine yeah you know? yeah Ooh, I that up. well i um I can definitely commend you for it man so in in light of missing sucks you know tell us about that and I also want to talk about the um and on the website, there's a piece about the uh, dove migration, the wooden dove migration that I kind of want to talk about. Right. Now, talk about that. You've got... And Missing Sucks is just large, all-inclusive, literary giant. Right. <laughs> I want to call it that. because And, and I really want to say that because it's, like I said, poetic. It's, uh, you know, there is a, a wealth of content there, but it's so
1: focused on all aspects of the hunt. Well, the website, w- what it does, the purpose of Missing Sucks is mm-hmm. to make you forget about that horrendous moment when mm-hmm. you pulled the trigger and saw nothing fall. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, you're visiting the site often, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it started with this poem. Yeah. Uh, I wrote this poem. I don't which know which one or it was. Right? This is what started Missing Sucks. I'll read the poem. Please do. Me. Real quick and show you this. But like I said before, so many people can relate, you know? Yeah. So the whole purpose of Missing Sucks is, hey, you know, Missing, we all agree it sucks. Just log on to the website and hopefully the content rich and uh, content rich website will help you forget about that moment. But the poem is called You May Agree. Mm-hmm. And it says there really is no excuse for it, although reasons will abound. And when done in front of an audience, who in their right mind would want to be found? Yeah. Characters and decorums are the first to be affected, while the relationship with our four-legged friend will most certainly be tested. And it will feel unbearable and excruciating that after so much hope, dreaming, and vision, we were unable to fulfill the key part of our desired mission. The more mature and level-headed amongst us will have no conflict with one or many of these occurring. But how could one remain so calm and composed when what just happened was just so despairing. Yes, statistically, I'll admit it has to be a possibility, but even your wise and consoling words won't stop me wishing for a better swinging ability. Moods will sway all day and well into the night, and we may lay awake debating our gunfit swing or sight, and the wiser ones will say it really isn't that bad, but rather absurd and infantile that we be so wretchedly sad. (laughs) but dears of friends here's something I'd like to say it's something backed up by my personal experiences lived on every hunting day that after pulling the trigger and failing to see something fall be prepared for your world to come apart for your breathing to suddenly stall and it won't matter the game bird you pursue be it quail, geese, sniper, ducks For the only reality I know is that missing truly sucks (laughs) (laughs) I love this though. Well,
0: if you can't tell, Charlie and I are having a blast on this episode, but I wanted to bring up Onyx Hunt because Charlie travels around the world hunting and doing a whole bunch of missing and missing sucks and shooting a whole lot of birds too. He's an awesome uh, wing shooter and was very impressed with the Onyx uh, Hunt app. So, if you're anything like Charlie and you do a lot of traveling, need to log spots and things like that, take folks out with you, you can go check out the Onyx Hunt app. You can use the code GDN20 for 20% off of a subscription to the Onyx Maps mapping system. Check it out now. I love it. We, we've taken this missing concept and kind of elevated it. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I understand there will be people saying, this is insane. It makes no sense. It
0: but. makes perfect sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> anybody that can't uh, sit there and say, well, dang, it's that's kind of Because it makes you think. It really does. And oh, in that, I mean, okay. you've captured so many different thoughts and emotions. We've all had it, man. You know, you take and, you know, one of the things that I want to ask you shortly, you know, is is the type of guns that you've missed with. Like, I, hell, I'm interested in what you've missed with, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, but that poem right there. And I mean, it, it really brings home all the components of what it is that you're bringing to the table. You know, from the, I mean, you go on the website, you've hunted all of these types of game around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had all of these lived experiences. You've got great dogs to go with it, you know. And the funny satirical aspect of it (laughs) is we all want to, you know, go out and hunt around the world and have these awesome dogs and talk about all the, the slam dunk shots that we've had. then there's the other aspect of it where you can kind of sit back and be frustrated and then later on you just laugh at it because it was still a good time you know I I really just appreciate that about all of the content that you're
1: bringing you know go ahead and, and have you seen you know when we read all these magazines which I'm so glad to see more magazines come out and things like that but when you see these pointing dogs, we, we get this we get this thing in our mind that my god, my dog has to be like that. And yeah. when I read so many of these things, as much as we're chasing wild birds wherever it is. There are times when my bird dogs, in my view, they're absolutely perfect because mm-hmm. I I cannot think of a warmer souls than the, than the bird dogs I've, I've had. But trust me, there have been times after I look at all these magazines that I've felt like the world is a tuxedo and uh, and I'm a pair of brown shoes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who who was that guy on Johnny Carson who said that one time? Uh, Have you ever felt the world's a tuxedo and you're a a pair of brown shoes Mm -hmm. or something like that? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the individual richness of your experience with your bird dog or wherever you're hunting uh, is so much more important. Than, than what I feel society has led us to believe, how to get more birds, get more birds. What's happening in Argentina for me today mm-hmm. is nothing beyond a tragedy. I've hunted there for the last 15 years and people shooting 250 ducks in a morning, that's not hunting, that's not a sportsman. That is something that somebody who needs to somehow alleviate some other issues they may have. Right. But I mean, I don't know if you heard. A year and a half, just last year, they closed down duck hunting in Uruguay. In, in Uruguay, really, because foreigners were coming over and just completely, or completely, denied obliterating the ducks. Thank God, I don't know of anybody, at yeah. least in my sporting circles, who would approve of that. Right? Uh-uh. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. Exactly. Um,
0: you know, we were talking about you know shooting cubbies in South Georgia, for example. The cubby gets up, I take one and move on. Right, maybe two. Right, move on. Right, um, you know to to add to what you're saying, you've got magazines and and all of this the, the the TV shows, but then we've got and this comes up a lot in podcasts. This has been the new subject of contention, but. I think there's some truth to it, the social media aspect of it. And you'll see the more you're on it, you'll see people stacking ducks, just mounds of geese, ducks, pheasants, just a boatload of birds. And and we're so caught up on, I got a 10-man limit and a four-man limit and this man limit, blah, 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 blah. And we get so caught up in
1: quantity defining the quality of our hunt. And what you are saying is exactly what the writers like Harold P. Sheldon, mm-hmm. Havilah Babcock, my favorite, you yeah. know, Nash Buckingham, whether it's in my health is better November mm-hmm. or, or the best of Babcock or, or even Gene Hill Buckingham. When the tide turned in the fifties and sixties from hunting stories to how do I get more? Mm-hmm. Some of those great literary books, especially, and we'll see some in the library downstairs. Yeah, Some of those were going for like five or $6 because they were no longer in mm-hmm. demand. They were, the books that were in demand was, tell me where to go, how do I shoot more? Yeah. And that was entirely mm-hmm. what Argentina was built on. Mm-hmm. Since 1993 till today, it was shoot, 5,000 shells, shoot 10,000 shells. Right. I'm not passing judgment on those people shooting 10,000 shells at doves or 350. I'm just saying that I can't understand
0: that way of thinking. Yeah. Right. And when
1: I can't understand that way of thinking, I can't relate. Right. Right. Um, what even makes it more sad for us, and I think that these people are in the minority, not the majority. Yeah. I think the majority are self conscious hunters like you are, like but like so many of the wonderful people I've met on Instagram. But what makes me even more sad is out of those 300 ducks that are lying there in one morning, less than 15% will get picked up. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is nothing short of being criminal, Yeah, you know? And that is a sad part that, that I think that our industry faces. Mm-hmm. And the anti-hunters are pushing. And when they show images like that, they have every right to push against us. So it's up to you and I mm-hmm. and people just like you and I, which is the majority to actually say the sporting traditions don't support this insane slaughtering without picking up ducks and for no reason whatsoever.
0: Wow. <laughs> that was a monumental point. Um, <laughs> shoot. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, and you put that out there. I totally agree and support um that statement as well because it's just it should not be dictated you know on the premise of quantity you know we were talking about artwork and and, and how the quality of artwork is now dictated by the prices that it'll fetch or you know the body of the artist and and the show that they, the artist puts on instead of the quality of the work right. Right, being presented right? you know, if we're focusing more on dog work and really trying to get a superior experience and 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 have something like you said that's that storybook. You're not caught up with all of of the the, however many limits. I've never shot a limit. As many times I've been out dove hunting, I've never shot a limit of doves. Never been interested in shooting a limit of doves. It's great. But every time, for me, I can honestly say every, every dove that my dog has retrieved, my lab, it has been almost textbook because we spent so much time Working on that yeah, just makes it home. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I, I hope not to sound like I'm bragging or nothing because, I, you know, my dog, he's a good dog. Yeah. But it's just been a beautiful moment every time you cast that dog out to go get it, whether it be a retrieve. The last dove we shot on the opener it was one and then we had to go in early because I didn't want the dog to overheat. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't, wasn't worth keeping him out in 90-something degree weather just to get a bunch of doves. All right. We got our one, and the dove fell 40 feet over there. Stayed steady, looked at me, go get it, bring it back. And we've had 50, 60-yard retrieves for the same deal, but every moment was special when it came to, you know, interacting, you know, with that this season, all we're going to focus on is getting my pointer into wild Georgia quail yeah. and making sure that I don't pull that trigger until the 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 point is is right you know the performance is on, on par and i don't think that's too much to expect it's not about like to me it bothers me when i see a dog you know not do what you've been training for all summer and you still shoot the bird and you're
1: jumping for joy. It doesn't seem like there's that synergy.
0: Yeah. The the dog more or less flushed the bird and you shot him. I mean, if you got a pointer, let him show his natural ability. You know, for me, it's, it's really about that. Um, (laughs) So that's that. You know, I'm I'm like you said, self conscious in a, a lot I of ways. Sure. I, I'm a, fa- a favorite book of mine is, um, Havila Babcock's. Um, I don't want to shoot an elephant. I love it, love it. Be- there were so many of these same points being made in that book. Right. But he talks about the experience. One of my favorite stories was it was a little boy in the book. He was talking. He had gotten his first pointer from a judge you know, he had done all of this stuff and, and the judge told the little boy to train the dog and or he was gonna like get rid of the dog or something like that and the boy didn't, didn't get rid of him, he kept him. And this dog was a rock star. They went through and they were, you know, going through life and growing and doing all of this and the boy was the only one that could train that dog. He's, all kinds of pro trainers would come out. The dog didn't want to listen to him. They were going, and it was in, based in South Georgia plantation country, you know, um, they were, you know, the dog had fought a, a big old cane rattler, got bit. The boy, you know, found a knife and cut the venom out and things like that. I mean, there was just this whole hyper surreal narrative that was going on while you're reading it. You're watching these moments and you see a little boy not only grow up himself, but you see a dog grow up into this phenomenal field trial champion. Yeah you know and it had nothing to do not once does Babcock talk about how many
1: birds were shot over his dog right. Right, right. it was never about the numbers back then even though we had just come out of an era which a lot of people called the golden age of, uh, of duck hunting mm-hmm. between 1839 1841 and 1920 1919 1920 and thank God for the, uh, for the uh, Migratory Bird Act of 1918, that, that slaughter of waterfowl, mm-hmm. where we lost the Labrador duck and the passenger pigeon, right? That was all numbers because of the b- demand for restaurants. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Boston, New York, Washington, the Eastern Shore was just slaughtering, slaughtering canvasbacks at times 550 between hunters in one night, right? Right. So thank God that our government yeah. stepped and the Migratory Bird Act of 1918 uh, with Canada and said no more for the purpose of trade, sell or, yeah. or, uh, or 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 those elements. And so those numbers stopped and then the romantic period of of, of writing came in post-25 when, when Nash Buckingham and those boys came in and started writing about that. And then somehow in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, it got back to more bigger mm-hmm. uh, numbers and things like that. So hopefully we can bring it back to what it actually means. You know,
0: gotcha. Hang on one second. Let me pause it. I like. To- All right. So, you know, as we kind of come around to the 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 last bend of the podcast, I want to talk about the uh, the the dove, the wooden doves. That you guys, you, George, from Upland Jitsu, and
1: um, Edgar, Birds, how did that whole thing transpire? So, um, it transpired with this wonderful man that I've known for 23 years and I've never met. Okay. Um, His name is Craig Kolchak. Okay. He's based out of his beloved Idaho. Yeah. The first time I talked to him on the phone back in 1996... I think it was 1996, I said, you guys have birds in Idaho? Mm -hmm. And he said, does a fat baby sweat? I'll never (laughs) forget that. (laughs) Okay. And the next thing you know, um, we become good friends over the phone, and we're sharing. He's such a setter, man. Yeah. Just a passionate setter, man, that you cannot... Be uh, be inspired. You cannot help to be inspired by. Yeah, I've heard the name now. Yeah, I mean, I've he heard the written name. Several books, mm-hmm. you know, the creeks and uh, and uh, pheasants at the fort. Just uh, uh, I think five or six different books. It's Craig Kolchak mm-hmm. and the wonderful books that he has written. And one day he sends me a picture that he's been dove hunting, and I see this wooden decoys that he says, and I says, "Craig, don't take this the wrong way, but can you please give me those decoys?" Yeah, yeah and he mailed them to me he mailed nice. them and I loved them these were hand carved decoys by Craig Kolchak he had painted them he had put them in there Craig Kosciuk or Kolchak? Kolchak okay Craig Kolchak okay and he uh, he actually wrote the foreword for my book in the hunt for words okay and um, he he sends me the decoys and I just love wooden decoys mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll, we'll show you the, the library downstairs of the yeah. decoys um and I was so touched by the fact that he sent me these decoys yeah. that I started hunting with them. And there was something different about hunting wooden decoys. Yeah, there was just something different about it. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm posting on Instagram. as I'm learning Instagram. Hey, I'm um, I'm about to start hunting with with uh, with these wooden decoys on opening day of doves. And I said I'm as excited. As Hunt Birds is, yeah. Uh, when he went out there with his old school uh, vest and old mm-hmm. school pump, sh- I, I think mm-hmm. it was. Uh, I'm not sure. What, I'm it's a what it was. Uh, 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 Remington, not a Remington, a Ruger Red Label. Was it a Ruger it's a red, red Label? I, I, yeah. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, but I said just about as excited as as Hunt Birds. Mm-hmm. And then he writes back and says, "These are beautiful decoys. Where did you get them?" And I said, "Craig Kolchek sent them over to me." And so then I thought of the idea, and you will probably relate because of the, uh, the uh, of your passion you have for art. I said, Edgar, let me hunt with these. Let me take pictures. Mm-hmm. And just like the dove migrate, let me send them over for you to Kansas. Yeah. To hunt in Kansas. Yeah. And then after you're done with them, let's choose somebody in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And then Edgar said, I just have the perfect guy. Yeah. And this guy George and uh, George upland up jitsu And so we came up with: all right, Edgar, let's do this. Follow the wood migration. Yeah. And the purpose of that wood migration was to hunt across the US, but to bring awareness that the art of carving working decoys mm-hmm. for the North American hunter is still very much alive today. Yes, sir. It's still very much alive today. And there are people who have dedicated their lives to carving wooden decoys. Now, there might not be the demand that there was in the late 1800s and early 1900s when the the massacres were happening, when people were putting out 550 decoys and Mason decoys and and Peterson decoys and Dodge were out there, you know, making all these uh, carved decoys. But the passion is still there. right? And the drive from some artist is still very much alive. Mm-hmm. So Follow the Wood Migration was created for one simple reason. Just to bring awareness that there are these wonderful people carving these wooden decoys. And the feeling of hunting with wooden decoys is just, there's something different about it. Yeah, That's why I only hunt with, with, with hand-carved wooden uh, Doug decoys. Okay. And I hope I don't it. come across as being presumptuous. No, I, I love just it. love the, the way. So I saved a, a money for a while and, and I bought these decoys from from Brian bought you know. Yeah. And I bought this rig and I made up this rig. And there's just something special about hunting with wood. Yeah. Now, they're not easy to carry, but who cares? doesn't matter. At the yeah. end of the day, just putting them out there makes your day. Yeah. You
0: know? No, it, so, man, you'd. Talking to an artist like I, you might trigger me to get into wood decoys, but seriously, it's cool. Um, yeah. so I met a um, a good good friend and buddy of mine, um, Doctor uh, Emerson Carson. I mean, old school quail man. I mean, we talking about forties, fifties. Yeah, you know, pointer man. Like he's got in his library, he's got all of his old wooden decoys that yeah. he would hunt with. You can see the BBs bee in him stuff yeah. like that. And I think what we're tapping into is the energy that goes. is something about wood. Yeah. You know, it, as an earthly material, I think it holds a lot. Yeah. You know, you think of trees and you think of the energy and the spirit that goes into those things. Right. Um, plastic, not to sound like it, it seems to repel almost. Right. it plastic just doesn't carry the same allure right you know when you see a wooden decoy i mean that person whether they carved it or whether they they um uh bought it from somebody the car you you wonder like man i wonder what what it took to get that type of grit that type of earthly body you know to those those things um, those objects. It's the same with sporting art to me. So I inherited a, a good deal of um, Dr. Cochran's sporting art, quail stuff, mm-hmm. you know, pointers, setters, stuff like that. And you just wonder, like, man, I wonder where the scene came from.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, you get a chance, I'm big into painting and I'm big into the way that brushstrokes move and things like that. Yeah. I like to see the artist's hand in the work. You know, I I and with wooden decoys, you see that. I mean, it's not machine manufactured. Not
1: no, absolutely. I mean, you, you put them on a lathe, but 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 more importantly, what what I would like to bring awareness to is that there are carvers out there that we don't even know exist. Yeah, and they are living their craftsmanship and their art every day. Yeah, and they don't have to be, you know. Five hundred dollars per decoy you yeah. know? there are wonderful carvers out there doing 30 35 40 50 dollar decoys yeah you know and while that is a lot of money right but just hunting with maybe two or three in a little it. puddle makes such a difference and to be straight with you Darrell, we can't afford another sporting tradition to disappear we just can't afford that Clapper rail hunting yeah. is going down. You know, not a lot of people are doing it. I've, I've seen that some over, of your posts on it. Yeah, right. Over two hundred and fifty years of, of clapper rail hunting. Right, snipe hunting is something that, which is my favorite game for chasing mm-hmm. snipe with the four tens. Just, I think the epitome of, of for me of of, of what, what the sporting traditions are. So we see these traditions decreasing more and more. And we see less bird hunters in the new generation. Mm-hmm. But I am hopeful because of the sporting clays market in the collegiate uh, field and the high schools and college, things like that. So we just can't afford to lose another sporting tradition. And if we can bring a little bit of awareness by follow the wood migration, yeah. then hopefully some people will say, you know, let, let me see who's carving ducks. Yeah. There. And maybe buy two or three. I mean, putting out four decoys in a little yeah. in a little puddle somewhere in, in the middle of nowhere uh, might bring some in. And, and, and there's a different feeling, yeah. it's just a different feeling uh, about hunting with wood.
0: You know what, man? I want to see if I can get my hand on a
1: few wood decoys.
0: You know, because I, I got a nice little wood duck hole. Yeah. Nice. I want to try that out. I seriously want to try that out this season. Um, I'm going to be on the lookout for some.
1: Uh, Can you text me the pin of where that wood duck hole is?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I absolutely will, matter of fact. (laughs) Send me where that is. Yeah, I I promise I won't be there. (laughs) No, trust me. Matter of fact, we'll go out to that same spot. Oh, Oh, my goodness. When the season opens up. Because they're, I mean, they're, you see them flying in all the time. that, That little Hour range, right? Yeah. Thirty minutes before yeah. shooting, like thirty minutes after, and then nothing yeah. else happened So we will go, and uh, we're gonna try some 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 wooden decoys yeah. there, man. Man. Um, man. You you have, I like I said, I have always appreciated wood, but I mean, I mean, wood decoys. But you have really just drove the point home for me.
1: Well, it, it, and it's just not me, right? I mean, uh, Edgar in yeah. Kansas. Yeah, uh, he had to accept them right yeah. I, I had never met this gentleman before but I saw his passion yeah. in, in his posts oh, wait, I he said uh, I know I said yeah. let me send you these and I sent him to a perfect stranger and then he sent him to somebody I'd never met before or yeah. George in, uh, in, in California so we were just united it seemed mm-hmm. by, by this passion to preserve the sporting traditions mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think that uh, George especially has spoken about the need for us to be more united. Mm -hmm. Like we have some segments that may look down on you because you don't have a dog or something like that. Right. Which we should really be uniting each other, Mm -hmm. especially as more elements are fighting against the Mm -hmm. expansion of of our traditions. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I do love uh, uh, George's uh, uh, hashtag, which is hashtag... No dog, no problem.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I mean, here's a guy out west just and walking he's
1: getting field. about as much as we are, and he's getting. I just love that. Mm-hmm. So, and and so, I mean, I've been a dog man my whole life, but I I love no dog, no problem. Yeah, you know? yeah. And George gets it. I mean, yeah. Is there something? something I've never I've never met him. i don't about. even know. Who I mean,
0: who we've are. spoke back and forth. You know, yeah. I've never met him personally. Yeah. We've spoke back and forth a, a yeah. good number of times. Uh-huh. And that's a hunter's hunter, man. Yeah. You know, he just is. Like, and, and, and George, um, uh, Edgar, like, wait, uh, Edgar's super humble. I mean, yeah. super humble. You I know, that. I love that art. Right. It 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 makes me wonder about myself. Like, dang, <laughs> I could be a better person. Like, you start questioning yourself. Like, shoot, okay, well, <laughs> um, but all of these guys are truly sportsmen. Right. You know yourself, Charlie. Like. Uh, y- Man, we got to get out for some hunts. I mean, I would <laughs> it would mean a lot if we could get out and, and oh, I'll take no, you to some no. of these spots, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also need to give you a copy of Project Upload magazine before I leave. Oh my
1: goodness, I have I, one I've been watching these videos. Um, I don't know where I was. I was in Asia and once again on a plane again and uh for uh for visiting clients, but I saw a video, of Project Upland, and I'm saying, mm-hmm. "What is this new generation?" Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I just love it, and, and, and I know that starting a business is tough and all that. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, uh, and, and, and all yeah. that. But Mazel tov, yeah. You know, I mean, just congratulations to this to this young blood getting out there and just mm-hmm. uh, making it happen the way it does, and showing not the quantity of birdshot. Mm-hmm. Or not the my dog made a 550 yard retrieve uh, after the 18th cubby that we shot, but I, I loved everything about yeah. this. So uh, yeah. I'm very, very much a, a fan of Project Upland. Man,
0: AJ Derosa um, has been killing it. Uh, the photographer Will Sensing, you know, hanging out with those guys, Chet, Nick Larson. Um, the writers, yeah, Edgar, Jennifer, all of those. I mean, the whole team. And I'm proud to say I'm a part of it, but they're bringing some heat to the table, man. Good. I mean, <laughs> Bring I see, I, I, right. you know, when I when I used to watch before I started writing for them, I used to watch Project Upland videos, and I'd be like, Good lord, like it, it made me want to. It made me feel good about being a part of this, right. you know, entire community because again, we went back to the artistry of it. You know, we 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 moved away from the emphasis of the kill, yeah. And you know, AJ wanted to project a vision that was about the entire experience from start to finish, um, and that's what I like. So I I just wanted to make sure I give you um, I brought it with me. Love and it. i didn't want to forget I, I, it i brought it with know. me for you love so, to take a um, look at it i'll give you the
1: most recent um the mm-hmm. more we can support projects like project mm-hmm. Dunlun, the more yeah. we can support these young sporting artists mm-hmm. the more we can get young people to actually view mm-hmm. uh, uh about it not just the killing you know yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the more that our sporting traditions will last yeah. and yep. then our children and grandchildren they get a will be this. able to have such a richer life yeah uh, like I feel I've had because of my bird dogs, yeah. but, but, but because of, you know, just once again chasing one more covey or one more woodcock or one mm. more snipe, you know. So,
0: last question, and this is a, a the grand question that I've been waiting <laughs> on asking. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Charlie's greatest misses and where were they in the world? Oh. Oh. <laughs> With what guns? <laughs> oh.
1: I need to pour myself a a martini right now. We were in the Ecuadorian Andes in the Andes of Ecuador. Mm
2: -hmm. 10,000,
1: 11,000 feet. And Daphne goes on point. She was three years old and we were hunting the noble snipe, a very large snipe. Yeah. Way up in the Andes. Uh, And so when you walk three steps, you're dying. Yeah. And she locked up so beautifully. And, um, God, I got up there and this woodcock went up, uh, this woodcock, this snipe went up and I went bang, bang. And I just completely missed it. And it was a 20 yard shot. And I looked back and my dad looked at me and said, I just want you to know that I saw poop come out of that bird (laughs) land on your head. that just oh my gosh how could I miss and Daphne's looking at me and you feel like you've cheated on them you yeah. know? <laughs> you, you feel like you're a lesser lesser person for rewarding him that way you mm-hmm. know I mean there's a poem that I write uh, I, I'm enormously remiss to just reward you with another miss yeah. you know and, yeah. just, uh, um, and then the guns uh, m- m- my guns uh, w- when my daughter Isabel was born I, I flew to Italy I-, I was um I was in I was on business and I flew to Italy and I had a 350 year old gun maker make me a matched pair of guns okay. for my daughter. I mean, they were for me, but they had my daughter's name engraved, yeah. you know, celebrating her birthday. Yeah. And we, you know, I didn't have any money to pay for these things, but I knew the guy. He made me the deal of the century and things like that. And, uh, and it was a big stretch for us. And my wife said, "Let's go ahead and you can let, let's purchase this matched pair of guns to celebrate our first daughter's." And um, I was shooting those guns for about a year and then I left to do my MBA and diapers and textbooks were needed in that MBA. Uh-huh. Two little girls, they were six months and a year and a half old. And diapers and textbooks, I remember, and it killed me, but I sold that match pair. Oh. I sold the match pair. Oh man. And that was 17 years ago. And two years ago. Yeah,
0: and now what What were they again? Renato Gambas.
1: Okay. Over and under Renato Gambas, match pair, Isabel one and Isabel two. And then I oh. phoned uh, Spain to get the motor case done. Yeah. And the motor case that I had done was made by the same gentleman who just passed away uh, two months ago at the age of 87. His name was Francisco Esposito. And he made all the leather gear for Abercrombie and Fitch what? back in the fifties, and so I traveled to it his was a sporting, company. A sporting company, sporting yeah. company, the old Abercrombie and Fitch house. I traveled to his, to his offices in Barcelona, Spain, and I said, "Could you please make the motor case for this match pair of guns?" And NBA started, and I sold everything. I had to sell it. I had to pay for diapers and textbooks, and my gosh, and it was full time NBA. And about two years ago, I get a phone call. And it's Griffin and Howe, the CEO of Griffin and Howe, mm-hmm. calling me. He said, Charlie, I know where your match pair is. They're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. What? And I said, you're kidding me. He said, the guy has him there. If you want him back, call him. And I called the gentleman. And the Griffin House CEO had called the gentleman in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to say the original owner of that match pair, Isabel 1 and Isabel 2, is going to call you. And so that I was coming out of a meeting. I pick up the phone and I call him up. I said, hello, Uh, I'm the original owner of the Isabel 1 and Isabel 2 match pair of guns with the case. And all I heard was this, my, my. Are we having a little bit of seller's remorse? I <laughs> was 17 years later and I rounded up, I don't know how much money. I just, so, and I bought them back. So they've come back. nice after 17 years. Oh back man. Home, and they're downstairs. Oh, I'll show them to you. Please now. do. That is awesome. Uh, but, um, something I just could not believe in. So we tracked the history. They They ended up going to Europe one of the barrels blew and they brought it back what? to Griffin and how, and they re engraved my daughter's name in gold. And so they went back and forth, back and forth. And, um, and so now they stay here with, with, uh, so they'll be with us hopefully forever. Hopefully I won't have to sell. Yeah.
0: Them, you know? <laughs> wow.
1: But, uh, now my daughter's in college and she knows about him. And, um, um, that's awesome. when it comes to guns that that's yeah. a special gun and uh and of course the last 12 years just shooting my 410 yeah now your 410's uh it's a browning 625 okay okay and i just won't trade it for anything somehow it just fits great and i understand Misses quite a bit but it fits great i don't, I, I don't know I if that's even possible if it fits great it be
0: <laughs> you want to know what man i you know and i i uh I don't have my uh, matched pair but my my I've had a, a number of guns yeah. at the time that I've been shooting and my favorite is the one that I carry now my 20 gauge Beretta 686 pitch. Lots of sporting lovely. 30 30 inch barrels it fits great and it's I I will say man every time I pull the trigger yeah very seldom you know very seldom don't at least make the vicinity of my target if I don't hit
1: I mean, and some of those guns are just so wonderful. Yeah. I am. Um, uh, and I don't know how this happened, but I won the sporting place tournament. Yeah. A few years back. And the number one prize was a gun. And I've never fired it because I love it so much. The concept of it. The gun that was for first place was a Remington 870 pump 20 gauge. Whoa. and it's still with the little hand. Yeah, I well, I mean, that's the working horse of a man. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, that's like the A five from Browning. And overall, I just love those guns. You know that if they could speak in terms of mm-hmm. the traditions they have seen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If I so, I used to have an A seventy a twelve gauge. The uh, my only issue, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in in wood and steel, man. Yeah. I am not a and it's no shade I mean you know everybody has their own gun choice, but I love wood and steel and I just I sold my 870 to get my dog my current dog to get some extra money for it but I was okay with it because it was um, uh, uh, synthetic yeah it was a duck gun but if I can get my hands on a 20 gauge wood and steel 870 (laughs) nowadays I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I would love to have. I wanted AYA number two. Yeah. I wanted in yeah. either 28. I would ideally want it in 16 gauge, but I would even be okay with 410. Because that's not, that's 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 not a every to me that that's that's like a another dream gun. My my silver pigeon was too. But that number two, man.
1: I would, I would lose it. I would lose my mind. I recommend you don't go to the 410 unless you just want to live a lot of pain. I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: bought a pointer, man. I'm okay. With living I, I have of a such point. a dear friend uh, at Southern Gunner. Uh, just a wonderful friend Ooh. who, uh, who, who just incredibly, incredibly talented in, in what he does. Um, But my God, he'll have some days where he's going 35 for 40 quail and he shoots a 410. He's my 35 for 45 quail. I remember one day he called me and said 35 for 45. And the other days I'll call him and I says, man, I've shot five shots and haven't hit a dub yet. Yeah, It's just this emotional seesaw mm-hmm. so him and i go often we drive down to florida as soon as we hear the sniper in we'll drive down to central florida yeah. florida and go after snipe with a 410 and it's just this emotional roller coaster <laughs> of, of shooting snipe which i think is one of the greatest eating gamers ever yeah. of shooting snipe with a 410 and just chasing him right as we're trying to avoid alligators yeah as, as we're coming up but uh but it, it's it's a lovely ride with the yeah. Forte. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a lovely ride. Oh yeah. my gosh! Well, I,
0: Charlie, I, um, if you could just summarize the meal that we had before we get off um, the podcast, I, I have to. Oh, well, give you a thank
1: you, a supreme. No, thank you our pleasure, our pleasure. <laughs> what what we did is we did a, a traditional British uh, wild game pie, and in that game pie. Um, our neighbor, which I affectionately call the Herbert Hoover, he shot a wild yeah. boar. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me a lot of the wild boar. And so the game pie was wild boar with rabbit and snipe and pheasant. And there's not a lot of fat in wild boar. Mm-hmm. So I added strips of duck fat in there. Yeah. And so I did that on Sunday. Cause I know you were mm-hmm. coming on, on, uh, we're scheduling for Tuesday. So I let it sit there for 48 hours in the fridge and then cut it yesterday. And uh, we had that on the side and then I shared with you uh, what's called a relay de canard, a Mm -hmm. a duck relay, Mm -hmm. which is actually how you maximize a whole duck. You take the whole duck and you put it in the oven at 220 degrees for about, whatever, nine hours. Yeah, And then you just pull everything out, pull everything out. So you're maximizing the whole ducks, the legs, the thighs, everything. And then you pack it up and you cure it, yeah. And you come into one almost looks like a hockey puck, mm. but it's one hundred and one percent duck. Which which I noticed that you enjoyed quite a bit. Oh my god! I
0: didn't. You see, I didn't stop eating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And sure. then the. <laughs> Last part. The third part was the one with the walnuts in it. Oh, the mitiga.
1: Yes. So mitiga is is from Spain, and and, and it's almost like this dessert uh, uh, compost like where we have the walnuts and the caramelized uh, uh, um it's walnuts, caramelized walnuts, and a little bit of sugar, mm-hmm. and they compact it. So when you're eating so much game, and you just need that little thing in your palate for 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 a little bit of sweet. You just put a little bit of that, and um, and I, I noticed that that's gone, too. That's but very much so gone. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So.
0: Well, Charlie, I I just want to thank you so much. Um, you know, I want to direct all the listeners to go visit
1: MissingSteps.com. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and just and a fun, 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 fun way to forget the horrendous moment when we pulled the trigger and saw mm-hmm. nothing falling. Mm-hmm. And we can find you on Instagram at missing such as well. Yep. Yep. Um, um, is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners? I want to applaud you, and I <laughs> want to applaud thank your you. efforts for the gun dog note. But first of all, I think I've told you we. Uh, I started a marketing firm almost twenty years ago, and I love the name. The yeah. Thank Notebook. you. Just love the name. <laughs> And I applaud your efforts to actually Sustain so many of our sporting traditions. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of people in Georgia that are chasing wild quail on public lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to know that I'll be following you every Please. day. yeah. you leave your parking lot, I might be outside. Come on. Uh, as soon as you leave your driveway, I'll right Come on, no, man. not put any lights on. I'll just follow <laughs> your car. Now you're going to be in the truck. So we're going to hop into Tundra and we're going to go on down but, there. But I applaud your, your 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 relationship with Orvis, with you, Kanuba, with, with your wonderful sponsors. I mean that that app that you showed me tracking on mm, Onyx, Onyx, yeah. That's just amazing technology. You know, I'm still looking at my Rand McNally map <laughs> and saying what looks good. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I applaud your efforts. Thank you so much for even considering talking to to, 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 to us. This has been nothing nothing uh, but a pleasure. Yeah, to be able oh. to share some some humble thoughts on. Well, I appreciate you for
0: hosting me.
1: Okay, oh. when I tell you. We are. I mean, it,
0: it. It's one thing that I work literally right down the street from you. So, yeah, you know, it's another thing that you're a pointer man. It's another thing that you are a, a lover and a aficionado of art. Yeah. Um, and I want to lastly say thank you oh, for this very fossilized shell um, that you found right in West Point, right. In West Point, Mississippi. Yep, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. This was for my daughter, so she will get this and learn about it when we get home. Um, you know, and I want folks to go find your book when it's done being edited and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think we're, uh, uh, there's one more edit to be done, and we have two. We have this more ginormous mm-hmm. book. It's, I think, 490 pages, but that was done over. Quite a few martini's and, uh, <laughs> and and in over five years of he's called in the echo of the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just once again, just humble thoughts on the sporting traditions and this latest one, which is just poems yep. uh, in the hunt for words. Okay. Um, and just, uh, once again, just thoughts about, about this wonderful, Wonderful uh, drive that you and I have and we share with so many other people to try and live this storybook sporting life, you mm-hmm. know, the storybook shooting life. Yes, sir. Yes, I love uh, to do that. So, well,
0: oh man, that was excellent, guys. That is another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast. Um, thank you again, Mr. Charlie Jordan. And uh, we will catch y'all next week. Again, guys, I'd like to thank all my sponsors and affiliates from Onyx Maps, our title sponsor, to Eukanuba Sporting Dog, to Garmin Fish and Hunt, to Dakota 283 Kennels, to Lion Country Supply, and everybody else that has been supporting the podcast since day one. Thanks again to Project Upland and the Northwoods Collective.